Cooper, a, a few episodes ago, about a few months ago, we yeah. talked about something that happened to your phone, a little predicament you had. Yes. Um, I was listening to Harry Potter in the shower. Like you would. The audiobook. And in that time period of my life, I mean, I crushed some Harry Potter. Literally running. Like, think of Forrest Gump that couldn't stop running. It was Cooper's like, I can't stop reading. That's you know, it exactly. just kept going and, it was, and going. But it was reading to me. It was Audible. Yes. Yeah, this sounds like it's going to be a sponsored episode. <laughs> so many things are sponsored by Audible. We're not. We're not. But we, Cooper just used until it. we get sponsored by Audible, you should never listen. Unless they sponsor us, then maybe. That's right. But anyway, you're listening to Harry Potter on Audible in the shower in an unconventional way. Yep. Yep. I'm a creative problem solver. You're an engineer. I'm a problem That's solver. That's all we'll say. Because instead of just getting a speaker or putting it on the cabinet, you 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 create your own path. That's right. If we you if see, you will. I saw the shower curtain as a shelf. An opportunity. An opportunity. That's right. Yeah. So I took my towel. Put it over my shower curtain as most normal Fold humans do. Fold it up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I put my phone on top of it as of kind of a little resting pad with a case that had a rubber part that I was like, oh, that'll grip the towel. Yeah. But I got so many Harry Potter, I was drying my face off after my shower that, uh, let's just say Harry took a fall. <laughs> and his uh, he was not able to fly in this moment. No, no broomstick. The phone landed face down on the ground and i mean we can get into if you were, should have been doing that or not but well, i mean that's neither here nor there water under the bridge Zach. your phone is shattered it is that's correct and, and I, uh, as it happens once your phone shatters it just gets worse from there right. slowly it's like a dagger just slowly being twisted in your heart that's right and so now you have a new problem that's right you see uh I no longer can type the letter P or the number zero on my phone. How I realized that this was a problem was I was sitting across from Cooper just a few moments ago, and he was texting, and all of a sudden he would say P, and then he would keep typing. Yeah. P, keep typing. And what I came to realize was the P button didn't work, and so he would voice text the letter P. Yeah, yeah it's very unconventional. I mean, how has this just changed your life? Like, it, I mean, this... It's drastic. You just, I appreciate the, the, I mean, the eighth of an inch on the right of my iPhone screen, I've come to appreciate more yeah, than course. I have in the past. It's, uh, it still looks, the screen still looks normal. It's just when I try to touch the P, it's like a 10% success rate. Okay. So, so that almost sometimes. makes it worse. Yeah. Because I'm like hoping, hoping, have, hoping. It's hoping. like learned helplessness. Right. You, I mean, you have, I have to press try. it. Uh, luckily, I've just... Started typing O, which is the letter right next to P mm. in the keyboard, and autocorrect can usually help me, but sometimes it does. Sometimes if I'm typing power, it's oor is what I have to write. Yeah, and then yeah. autocorrect doesn't. And if it doesn't idea. correct, and then I don't catch it, and now I look like a fool. So instead, you uh, click the Siri button, say P, and then type O W E R. That's right. It, I mean, that's inconvenient, right? It's Extremely. like a thorn in your side. Sometimes I'll go with the copy paste method where mm. I'll, you, like, Let's say I'll say a word that has a P in it, just copy the P, delete the word, then I have P saved to my clipboard, and I'll just hit paste a lot. Oh. But it's uh, it's inconvenient, to say the least. Man. I mean, is it worth just a new screen, or are you waiting for a new iPhone? Um, I'm on team wait. If I'm going to buy new, yeah. I'm going to buy new. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't, I'm, I don't want to pay 300 I went to get it checked out. I don't know if you remember when I broke it. Yeah, it was yeah. like $300 to get it fixed from Apple, and I was like, we just can't do that's it. That's a sham. That's like <laughs> half of a new phone. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just holding off. The new phone is, I was actually looking up videos today. It coming it's, out soon? It's supposed to be like October-ish because of COVID pushed it back, so hopefully... Did, did they release any like new features? No. Like, they, does like, the P button like, work? 
I've heard in the new phone the P button and the zero, which is another oh. side side oh, effect. Oh, is I didn't that it if you switch the to numbers. numbers, yeah, because it's in the same location. That's tough. So I'll, a lot of times I'll just voice text 10 p.m. and that'll do a zero and a P, <laughs> and that has actually wow, that's changed your been life. really fruitful. Uh, 10 p.m. is my new favorite time because <laughs> it solves both my problems that I'm having right now. But no, I think that. Apple hasn't announced anything. It's just like rumors starting to come out. So right. stay tuned on my uh, the health of my cell phone. Well, I mean, if any of our faithful listeners, maybe you in the Philippines, if you're listening to this, want to start a GoFundMe <laughs> helping Cooper uh, fix the P button That's on right. his phone, I think it would be very helpful. We could do two separate, one for the zero, one for the P, and then kind of combine them with the <laughs> and then There's a new phone That's in there. Right. There's a new phone so, in there. That's exactly I mean, just right. Just any of you are willing, we'll throw it out there. I don't need it, but please help me. Welcome to the Next Generation Leader Podcast, where we believe great leaders are listeners, especially during their youth. Good leaders learn from their successes and mistakes, but great leaders learn from the successes and mistakes of those who go before them. I'm your host, Zach Funderburg, here with my co-host, Cooper McCullough. Or it's just Coor. Coor McCullough. That's right. <laughs> Autocorrect sometimes fixes it. That's right. Gosh, that's such a tough problem. It is. I'm sorry that happens. It is. That, I mean, that, that's just what you get Who for moving out. one letter? Moving out for me. At least it's not the A. Or Yeah, it's because I moved out. That's why. <laughs> it, sense, it senses that I left. Yeah, yeah. at least it's not a more prominent letter right. on your keyboard. That makes sense. But anyway, we have a great episode today, Cooper. I, uh, I thought you might say that, Zach. Something that everyone is interested in still. And that is, let me guess... The Enneagram. It is. You guessed correctly. It's the Enneagram. We And we don't, it's a little unconventional. If you want to listen to a full in-depth, what is the Enneagram? What is each number? How do you win with the Enneagram? And what each Enneagram number does under stress? You can go back a few episodes and see our interview with Hunter Mobley. It we was go a good one. in-depth. It was actually a good two. Yeah, a double episode. That was our Monday-Wednesday combo one-two punch action. Yes, if you're on a long drive, uh, you can knock out both of them. Very in-depth, very good on the Enneagram. But today, we kind of take a creative approach. Mm -hmm. Her name's Betsy Reeve. She's just started her own company working with uh, college sports teams or high school sports teams and implementing the Enneagram into their teamwork. So it was only natural for moving college athletes that she would communicate with us. Yes, and that's what I thought. I was like, we like lift a lot. Right, big weights. Muscles. That's why we do a podcast. That's right. I mean, we just... We don't video. fit in one screen. If it was on video, it would be distracting. <laughs> We're huge. But yeah, so basically. And so she does that and, and starts with college sports teams. And so I call her. I'm like, okay, everyone knows what the Enneagram is. Yeah. We need to take a new approach at it. What is different? What is new? What is? What are people not thinking about? She says, okay, I'll think about it. I'll text you. Okay, that's great. I get a text from her. She said, Zach, have you seen The Last Dance? I said, uh, who hasn't seen The Last Dance? Me. We've, we've Actually. <laughs> What? You haven't, you haven't seen You didn't watch it with us? We were living together when we watched it. Uh, I don't. Or what is it about? The Michael Jordan documentary. Oh, I saw two episodes. You, oh, guys, okay. you guys watched it without me. Oh, I'm so sorry. Sorry. Okay, I wasn't. I was thinking it was like a. For some reason, I had like Dancing with the Stars in my head for some reason. But. <laughs> no, it's Michael Jordan. It's the, okay, it's the okay. Bulls. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big sports guy. Lift a lot of weight. Continue. Th- that's right. The Bulls at their like championship they're amazing yep. michael jordan scotty pippen steve kerr right. you know dennis rodman they're amazing but it's a team that works so well together and so she said everyone in america was quarantined and we all watched the last dance because right. espn just capitalized on all of us being at home yeah and she said if you watch that documentary you can see each person's enneagram type mm. come out obviously we don't know these people we right. can't just type them but what me and betsy do is we go back and forth and saying what enneagram type and why we believe each person is so if you stick around, you might hear who or what Enneagram type we think Michael Jordan 
the goat Interesting. Is. So it's a fascinating – I mean we we have a lot of conversations about the Enneagram. Yeah. I mean it is, it's a tool that really brings teams together. And, yeah. and we've talked about it a lot just in our relationship and relationships with like with other people and in our house. It really comes out a lot. And in your marriage now? And in my marriage, yeah. yes. It, I mean it's helpful. He's, it really a, he's a married guru, folks. Yes, if we haven't mentioned it already, I am. Yeah. So if this episode goes well, I heard that uh, you're going to do it on Tiger King, the other yeah. the other show that was watched through quarantine. <laughs> that would be an interesting episode. I don't think I want to know I don't what, either. Uh, what their Enneagrams we are. We probably won't do that, but we will do Michael Jordan and we will do the 96-97 Bulls. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> so without further ado, here's our interview with the Betsy Reef. We're live. Well, Betsy, thank you so much for being with us and talking about the Enneagram. You're an expert. I've heard you do a presentation on it, and it was fascinating. I learned so much. I thought people think they know the Enneagram until they talk with someone who actually knows the Enneagram, and then they realize how much they don't actually know. So that's why we brought you here. Betsy, who are you? Talk about your business. What are you up to? Well, hey, Zach. Thanks for uh, letting me be a part of this podcast. And um, I... I guess I do know a little bit about the Enneagram and I uh, have enjoyed kind of diving in, doing a deeper dive of how it affects us as human beings and our relationships. And um, I really just recently have launched a business, Betsy Reef Coaching and Consulting, where um, my kind of niche audience is actually sports teams Mm. and bridging the gap between players and coaches and understanding the motivations. Um, of why some players need to be yelled at and some need to be constantly encouraged and uh, just all the team dynamics that go into that. And even with sports teams, your team changes every year. Right. Um, basketball, you have the same plays. Well, you probably install some new ones here and there, but yeah. um, it's the same concept, you know, score the most points and you win. Right. Uh, but people change and um, the dynamic in the locker room changes even mid-season, if, if somebody gets injured, um, if somebody transfers, if new people come in. And so there's all this interpersonal stuff that goes on. And I've just found that the Enneagram is a helpful tool in building trust between players and coaches. And really just college athletes are college students that are figuring out who they are and uh, where they belong in the world. And so the Enneagram also is just a tool for them to grow in their self-discovery and see how they can contribute to the team that they're a part of. Yeah, that's huge. And we have to understand that it is a tool and it's so, it's so helpful for coaches and it's so helpful for leaders, whether you're leading a college basketball team or a sales team for a business, it's important for you to know who you're leading and how, what motivates them. Like we talked about yesterday and, and how they respond to certain situations. So whenever they are put in a place where they have to make a hard decision or where they're pressed in one way, you know how they're going to respond or what they need to be guided through a situation. So I think tools are so important, but as you talk about, they're not the end all be all. So once we look at the Enneagram, first of all, what is it? And then how do we take a healthy approach to applying it to our business or team? Yeah. The Enneagram in just a very simple uh, explanation is a personality typing system of nine numbers that help people discover why they think, feel, and behave a certain way. And it's just a, it's just a tool, uh, but it helps you navigate uh, growth and stress and how you function in the world to your best ability. It's a growth tool um, rather than a put in a box, this is who I am label. 
Um, but I uh, personally use the Enneagram just in my own personal growth as well as in a business context. But even I find it beneficial in family units as well. So it's it's applicable in every aspect. But as a leader and as I work with people and teaching them, them the Enneagram, I always have some three ground rules. Yeah. That I go over. I love um, these. Just, just to like break down the, you know, skepticism or we're talking about that Enneagram thing again. Like, how do you spell it? What they're about to put me in a box. Yeah. What, uh, what I do. How, not everybody can be like one of nine numbers, you right. know? <laughs> yeah. I'm the exception. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm 10. Trust yeah. me. I'm a 10. I'm all of them. That's yes. my favorite when people, it's like, Great, that conversation was individual. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, here are my ground rules just before I even dive into the Enneagram um, with anybody is rule number one is you have a name, you're not a number. Mm. It can be really easy to start just talking in, I'm a seven, you're a three, she's a two, right. I'm a nine. And I just kind of go, that's sort of weird. Yeah. It's a little weird. Um, but you have a name. My name's Betsy, your name's Zach. Yep. Uh, we don't want to dehumanize people by just numbering them. <laughs> so that's my first rule is as we talk about uh, what numbers people identify with, we want to remember that they have a name and they're complex beings. Um, there's more to them than maybe what we can see on the outside and um, they have a name. So that's rule number one. Huge. And uh, rule number two is that the Enneagram is not a sword or a shield. It's my favorite one. I love this. <laughs> I, I have used this a lot. And honestly, I stole it from you. But people, you do this all the time. They're like, well, I did this because I'm a seven. Or I said that because I'm a two. And it's like, well, no, it, it's part of your character. But keep going. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's uh, sometimes once we start learning about ourselves and the Enneagram, it can be exciting. It's like, whoa, my eyes have been opened to like, why I do certain things. And so then we can use it as an excuse right. or we can use it as like, we meet somebody that we don't like and we find out they're a certain number. And then all of a sudden it's like, we don't like any threes ever. <laughs> yeah. And um, so you're a three, I don't like you. Yeah. But it's like, we can't use it as a sword or a shield. Um, there's, there's way more to a person than their Enneagram number, right. obviously. But we also don't want to give ourselves permission to do things because we are certain numbers or we identify with certain motives uh, because we're growing. Obviously, right. especially in leadership, we want to be uh, growing to our healthiest self. And as soon as we start using the Enneagram as a sword or a shield, we're limiting our own growth. Right. Um, we're limiting just who, what we are actually capable of becoming and who we're capable of being. Um, Right. You don't give excuses. Yeah, and even if you think about that even statement, if you look at a, at a sword and you look at a shield, a sword is a tool of destruction, and a, a shield is a tool of deflection. And we want to use the Enneagram as a tool, but not a tool of destruction or deflection at all. We want to be a, have it as a tool that builds our teams, that builds our characters so we can lead ourselves better because we know how we respond to things. And how we can read, lead other people better because then we know how they respond to certain situations. So it's a tool, but not of destruction or deflection. Rule number three, what is it? Rule number three is kind of what you've been saying, Zach. This is just a helpful tool. Yeah. This is not the end-all, be-all. This is not the, 
the hidden, uh, the golden ticket to life. You know, it's just, it is, I've never said that phrase ever in my life, by the way. The golden Very Will, to life. Willy Wonka. Yeah, I, that's, I was like, so I just, just want to clarify that. Yeah, write um, that one but, down. That was good. It was good. <laughs> uh, but rule number three is it's just a helpful tool and take it or leave it. If, um, as we talk about things, if you find it helpful, run with it. If it's not helpful, don't get stuck on it and try to justify it or throw everything out. Um, just this is a helpful tool. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't, that's fine too. Right. Um, this is not the end all be all. So I love it. Actually, Betsy, funny story that I'll share. Abby, if it's okay, my wife, Abby is sitting here this morning. I'm sitting on the couch reading as a three I'm reading, trying to grow myself and, and be a better human, you know, yes. and all of a sudden I look up in the closet in the front of our apartment is just being torn apart by my, <laughs> by my wife, who's a seven. And, and as we will learn and know the difference between threes and sevens is the compartmentalized brain. We've learned in our marriage that my brain is very compartmentalized, that I have these boxes that we have to do this here, this here, and get this done. And then all of a sudden, I'm married to a seven where she has her mind set on something and all of a sudden, the closet is being torn apart. And now I'm so confused on what is going on. And I'm like, Abby, what are you doing? But she's like, well, that's just I had something that I needed to get. Now I'm just cleaning the closet. Now we're going here. Now we're going to run here and we're going to go around here. And I was like, what? I'm trying to simply read my book. So just a small Enneagram situation from our morning this morning. That literally happened a few hours ago. Betsy, I thought I'd, I'd bring you in on that. But anyway, yeah. I love the Enneagram because it's a tool so we can help and know even our marriage better uh, in our second week of marriage here. Yes. And the Enneagram helps you grow in compassion and yes. empathy for other people that are different than you. Yes. And so instead of being like, Abby, I can't believe you're doing this right now. You're like, Abby's being Abby, you yeah, know? And we got, we needed to clean the closet anyway, which for I really sure. And I'm sure it's, it's uh, reorganized in a whole different way now. And you won't be able to find anything for a little bit, but <laughs> you'll be okay. She'll find we'll it for get, you. That's right. We'll get there. Anyway, we love the Enneagram. It's not a sword or shield. It's a tool for growth and development for leaders and teams. Now, speaking of teams, we, yes. uh, both you and I, Betsy, not together, separate. You're in Indiana. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Indiana. I'm in Texas. Uh, but across the world, we've been quarantined. And during this quarantine, ESPN blessed us all with a yes. documentary called The Last Dance. And uh, Betsy, I don't know if, uh, yeah, you can do it. Kind of describe what The Last Dance is. Who's it about? What happens in the documentary? It was beautifully done, but kind of what happens in it? Yeah. So it's a, 10 part series yeah. now on Netflix, by the way. Really? Yes. Good so, for Netflix. Uh, yeah, <laughs> good for Netflix. That's a great business move. Yeah. Um, but it's a 10 part document series uh, that follows uh, the Chicago Bulls during their like 1996, like during the 90s. Yeah. And when they just are winning championships, when Phil Jackson's the coach, uh, mm. the Michael Jordan era. Uh, throw in some Dennis Rodman, Scottie Pippen. Oh, we'll get um, there. And the, it was also in the era of the dream team with the Olympics. And uh, basically just, if you ever listened to Jock Jams, if you ever had that CD, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like that just comes to mind as a, like a 90s child. I just hear the, the Jock Jams soundtrack of, and just feeling like I was a part of the Chicago Bulls. And yeah. Um, the Even lights are going everywhere. The lights, yes. Michael Jordan. Oh, so many exciting things. But this documentary 
really breaks down like what made them the team that they are, but it really focuses in on Michael Jordan. Mm. And I think it's like, so he gave them permission to follow him around in his last season of like documentary people. He had this footage. Okay. And uh, he's held on to it for a while and no better time to release it than now. Yeah. Um, And so it's sort of the behind the scenes of what really, what went on in practice, what went on the bus, what are the, the conversations? Uh, You know, yes, these people are basketball players, but they're also humans with lives and um, personalities. And so it's uh, every sports fan, uh, particularly basketball. um, And as 90s kids, as a 90s 90s kid, you love it. Yes. Yeah. I was born in the late, uh, the late 19. 90s. Just claim it, yeah. Yes. yes, I claim myself as a 90s kid, but I loved it. It's fascinating. It's a 10-part series following Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. which we could argue the greatest basketball player ever. I don't know, you can go back and forth on that, but we cannot argue that they were the greatest team. Like, there's not a team that just got it done, but there are so many different fascinating personalities that made up this team, whether it was their coach, whether it was their general manager, their point guard, their, their center, whether it was Michael Jordan – these personalities were all combined to make the greatest team to ever play. And I think you were talking about it yesterday, how fascinating it was to sit down as an Enneagram mind. What was kind of your thought process as you were watching the last dance? Yeah. So I just want to like throw this in because it's super important to realize, like, I don't know these people. Right. Like I don't personally, like me and Michael, we don't go way back. Yeah. Um, But in my knowledge and understanding of the Enneagram and motivations of people and relational dynamics, as I was watching the documentary, I was like, wait, their Enneagram numbers are coming to light by how they're showing up and they're sharing in this documentary, like their inner motivations, uh, which that's what the Enneagram is. It's not based off of behavior. It has everything to do with what motivates you and you're constantly running towards your core desire and away from your core fear. And so as I was watching this, I, I just sort of started going, okay, what made Phil Jackson a good coach? Right. Like how did Dennis Rodman play for the Detroit Pistons and like the arch rival of the Bulls and then was like, I'll play for the, the Bulls. Cool. Like yeah. that takes a certain person you know scotty pippen like the most okay being number two ever um and like why did it work and it obviously did because uh they won championships and i always say great teams have great teammates Mm -hmm. and there's so many glimpses in the last dance of people being great teammates to each other and uh that's really so from my perspective while watching it um knowing I can't type them because I don't know them. I've not had a conversation with them. Um, But I can go, huh, this makes sense as to why these things are happening or why he did what he did there. Right. Um, We have to say that at the caveat before we just start saying such and such is this number and say, we don't know them, but we are going to do our best to, to place them as we thought. And Betsy, you said something we were on the phone yesterday that really honestly changed my perspective on the way I saw the Enneagram. And you said something to the, the, the um, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, something to the extent, thank you, Abby, uh, that the Enneagram is not always just your personality, but it's your motivation behind what you do and why you do it. So kind of break that down. What does that mean? Yeah. 
Um, so I'm, I'm trying to think of a good little example here. Right. Uh, let's say using basketball as an example, um, practice ends and four people stay after to shoot around. Okay. The behavior is shooting around. Right. So you're like, you can't just look at those four individuals and go, Oh, they're a three because they're staying after and they have a fear of failure and they want to succeed. Right. Here's really what could be happening. Um, there's four people staying after one needs a ride from somebody else. And so they think, Hey, might as well shoot around a little bit. Yeah. Another one uh, could be uh, it's a punishment and it's uh, they had a team violation of some sort and there's a, they need to stay after and get more shots up um, to just uh, build some trust back. And so the motivation is, um, gaining trust again with uh, leadership. Another one could be that their own, the motivation is that they aren't uh, pleased with their shooting percentage. And so they've made the commitment to themselves uh, every day after practice for the next month, they're going to shoot a hundred shots um, in a row. And then yeah. like, and then they can go home again, same behavior, totally different motivations. Right. Um, so your, your behavior doesn't necessarily always project what your number is. Not at all. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people get thrown off, yeah. um, especially in the trendy Instagram memes. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, I'm like just, what Christmas gift would you get? Because yeah, of yeah. Like, all those things. It's like, I don't, uh, my Instagram number doesn't determine what I want for Christmas, you yeah, know, <laughs> what I eat at a movie theater. Yeah, right. They're also, they're very funny and entertaining, but it's not always helpful to what you, no. where your motivations are. And it can be harmful just in the sense of if I, um, instead of engaging in conversations with people, especially thinking about leadership and the team that you're leading. Um, if I just look at behaviors and start assuming um, that can be really damaging in uh, leadership relationships and utilizing the Enneagram as a conversation starter yeah. um, of understanding why um, that's, that's going to go a long way, but we can't just assume somebody is a number by dyeing their hair, different colors. Um, there has to be a motivation behind it. And only you know, your internal wiring. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it can be really harmful if we just start assuming things based off of behavior. Yeah, and just to take it all back to just creation and, and God is the fact that you were created in his image and he yeah. has specifically wired you for his purpose and for different reasons, different motivations, different strands of him are, are inside of you. And so putting ourselves into a box of an Enneagram number, of a Myers-Briggs letter, of a, whatever you want to do, just pointing it always back to it is just a helpful tool to better understand the people that we are put in the same place to interact with and better yeah. lead ourselves. And so that's why it's so fascinating. That's also why it's so helpful. So without further ado, let's type the 96, 97 bulls let's do and, it. and let's see, Betsy, I'll just let you lead in this part. What, what, who do you think is what, and why does this team work so well together? Well, I'm going to start with the coach because okay. it was once Phil Jackson entered the scene of the documentary was when the light bulb went off for me of this is, this is a healthy team in such unique ways. Yeah. And, um, I am going to suggest that, uh, Phil Jackson is an Enneagram four. 
Okay. And I see also he has strong wings of a three and a five. Okay. Um, Explain that. Layman's yeah, term. I was like, ooh, wings. People like that is, what? That is has wings. Uh, I did not yeah. know that. Yeah. Oh, um, Michael had wings. I don't know about Phil, but geez. <laughs> um, so the wings, wings is a term and utilized. I said, I've said utilize like a lot, but it's okay. Um, wings are the two numbers on the right and left side of your main number when you look at the Enneagram diagram. Okay. And so the wings are, uh, I describe it like salt and pepper. Okay. Where you have your main, you have your main ingredient, which is your main type. And then you can add a little salt, add a little pepper okay. uh, to enhance your number. And so sometimes people have strong wings. Sometimes people don't utilize their wings at all, but in looking at the motivations of Phil Jackson and how he interacted with his team and players and the respect that his players had for him, um, I see both his three wing and his five wing coming out in different ways. So So why would you say that Phil is a four? So uh, I always love going to the reflection of God that each number is and looking at people. Like I start kind of there. And one of the things that fascinated me with Phil was first of all, he's kind of this like quirky guy. Yeah. He's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and he doesn't do the normal thing. You know, he's like leading the team in yoga, you know, having them read books, doing Native American. Yeah. Really like threw stuff in the fire and things. Yes. Oh, like creativity and depth. You know, the way that he brought the team together, he valued individualism, Mm. which fours are motivated. There's an authenticity that is really important to a four. And when I was seeing him interact with his players, which we will talk about all of them in a moment, but he was so understanding and accepting Yeah. and fours allow people to be who they are because they value the unique individual aspects that everyone brings. Um, but also like he, you know, he talks about like he smoked pot in high school and he, uh, you know, but even like, he coached in a different style than other coaches and kind of calm, cool and collected, but um, he moves to the beat of his own drum, but his players respected him. And I think it's because he was so comfortable and confident in who he was Mm -hmm. and he was just authentic. And so his motivation that I saw constantly throughout was um, I saw his three wing of, of being successful and, um, excellence but also his five wing of uh, knowledge and going deeper than just the surface level and um, he he strived to know his players and it says something when the players are like I'm not gonna play for any other coach except for Phil Jackson yeah Um, and you have to ask why is that like what is so special about him? Yeah, it's like Michael Jordan. You can you can honestly get whatever coach you want to come here. You can also go to whatever team you want because any team will take you. A right. baseball team will even take you. Absolutely. But you will only play for Phil Jackson. That says yeah. a lot about his character and the way he was as a coach. Mm-hmm. And, and even like the triangle offense, all of that. Yes, all of it. And um, yeah, really, he's just. I saw so much of his motivation of he wanted to develop his players as whole people Mm. and the, the unity, the individualism, but also the unity that he created 
just was really, really fascinating to see. And so that's why um, if I were to choose a number that he might identify with, I uh, would go with the four. Okay. Um, just the, the authenticity um, motivated by uniqueness. Um, he did things differently. He did stuff that coaches don't do. Yeah. Um, Man, and very it unique. worked. And it worked. They won. And he was. They won. And that's the goal. So. That's right. That's right. The healthy teams win. Okay. Yeah. Let's move to a player. Who do we got first? Man, there's. I just love Dennis Rodman. Let's just go, yeah, with, let's Dennis. go with Dennis. I just. He's this so could be a big This could be its own episode if we yes. want to. What yeah. is Dennis I mean, Rodman's Enneagram number? <laughs> yeah. Entertainment is watching his 30 for 30. Yes. Uh, which. Talk about just craziness. So Dennis Rodman, there, people could argue, is he a four? Is he a seven? Um, Again, we're going to look at motivations and I don't know Dennis, right? But if I were to listen to him talk in the documentary, um, first of all, he's all over the place. Like just, you don't know what's going to come out of his mouth next. My, one of my favorites is when Phil Jackson asked him to play for the Bulls. He's like, yeah, cool, man. I think that's, yeah, it's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he's just so he's go with the flow. Yeah. Like new adventure. All right, let's go. That sounds great. Sign me up. Um, but let's talk about the Vegas trip. Okay? okay. That's my favorite thing about Dennis Rodman and where it plays into his Enneagram. Tell the yeah. story. So Dennis Rodman, they're in the finals. Um, The season is long. They have made it to the finals. They've been playing for months. Dennis wants a vacation. Right. Middle of the finals. finals. This is like, we've worked so hard to get here. Yeah. Um, Dennis wants a vacation. Right. Phil says, okay. Yeah. Which shock number one, coaches are like, you allowed him to go on vacation? Right. Wait, what? And Michael is like, for sure, he's not coming back in 48 hours. Like, Yeah, I Phil know. gave him 48 hours to take a vacation, <laughs> go anywhere. Michael is just not having it, one. And two, he's like, he's not, he's, he won't be back. Yeah. So, but Michael's like, but it's, it's Dennis. And, and that was the thing is, it's Dennis. And yeah. that's what he does. And it's not so much that's what he does, but it's what he needed. And yeah. that is what is so key here is that, he is energized. Sevens are energized by spontaneity. Mm-hmm. Um, their core fear is being trapped. So you can only imagine, like, he has been trapped in the structure of a sports season following, like, you need to be at meals at this time, you need to be on the court at this time, like, traveling here. So there's a lot of limitations. And he was getting to the point of, like, I just can't, I need a vacation. So he just, goes crazy goes to vegas so like he, as soon as phil jackson lets him go he walks out the doors and gets on a harley davidson yes. and drives on his bike to the airport immediately gets on a plane goes to vegas next thing they know they see him on tv with hulk yeah. hogan at a wwe match and he's like on the mic like elbow slamming some guy yeah i mean that's just who he was and that's what he needed may yeah. not have been what i needed in the situation but it's what yeah. dennis needed yeah and so that that re-energized him. Right. And this is how I know it re-energized him. Uh, because when he came back, uh, Michael was like, we're going to do an Indian run where it's like, uh, they have the person at the end run to the front of the line and then 
like gym class. Oh, everybody one. knows. Everyone knows what the Indian run is. Right. <laughs> We're all and, scarred. So, you know, Michael's like, let's just take it easy, you know, like let Dennis do his thing. Dennis just shows up full speed. Like yeah. he's ready to go. He's like, didn't miss a beat. And that's when you know, okay, some people need to go to Vegas for 48 hours to get out some energy, um, to like his core fears of just being uh, trapped or bored or um, limited were coming to light. And, and so he needed to get away and do something. Yeah. And it's also like uh, sevens, I say all the time, like sevens just sometimes need to rearrange their room. Mm. And just like Abby, closet. Abby <laughs> need to clean out the closet, okay? That's right. Um, she didn't wake up this morning going, today I'm going to clean out the closet, but yeah. it just turned into that. It wasn't on her list of things to do because there's no list of things to do. Right, but it's, it's a nice That's idea. Good. Yeah. But it was productive. <laughs> and it, in, the, in the living room right now. <laughs> it was productive and it energized her and it brought her to life in the same way, like, for Dennis to dye his hair different colors. Like, yeah. it's fun. It's different. It... Um, it keeps things entertaining. And it brought the lights to him. Like the yes. cameras were oh. on him in the moment and he was loving the attention. Love it. Walks into a room. Everyone's wondering what his hair was going to look like, you know? Right. And he loved it. Loved it. And that's the, like, the entertaining optimist of him is, uh, you know, like, hey, sure, I'll go play for the Bulls even though I was on the Pistons. <laughs> like, right. yeah. Sure, like, People can talk about my hair, but they don't understand the why. Um, and he just kept, but he kept performing. And that's, exactly. what, that's what I was going to say. Is that it didn't affect his performance. Like if he went to Vegas and came back and was like unable to play or like couldn't be a teammate, there'd be some concern. But Phil knew him yeah. and knew his motivation and knew he needed to do that. And also... Michael Jordan knew him. His teammate was like, I'm going to go to Vegas, knock on his door, and get him out. Because Isn't that what happened? Didn't Michael have to happened. go get him because he wasn't back in 48 hours? Right. Because sevens don't sometimes have a concept of time. Right. So like, he, like, I'm not giving Dennis any excuses here, but I just, I am uh, empathizing with him of like, you know, 48 hours went by pretty fast. Of course. And so, uh, for Michael to show up and knock on the door and say, let's go. Yeah. He's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. He was back and he was right. working hard. And like, he was one of the main pieces of them winning the finals because of the way he worked and how many rebounds he got. He wasn't the star player. He wasn't scoring all the points. He wasn't the MVP, but yeah. without Dennis, they would have lost. And without Dennis taking that trip, they would have lost Dennis and in turn right. probably lost the finals. Right. And, so it's just, and it's so important to know that Phil knew him and because he was an individual he didn't say okay everybody 48 hours off because everyone would have lost their minds but right. Dennis got the 48 hours off that he asked for because phil knew that he needed it and he would come mm -hmm. back energized crazy and dennis knew he needed to ask for that right which i think is is really helpful in knowing your own needs mm. um he asked for what he needed yeah um which is super cool but also um Oh, I just totally lost my train of thought, but that's okay. I'll come back to me. <laughs> All right. Next player, yeah. maybe? Yeah. Um, oh, I remember what I was going to say. Okay. The energies of numbers. Okay. So different numbers show up with different energy, which we'll talk about Scotty Pippen in a second. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the reasons that I 
would identify Dennis Moore as a seven, even a seven wing eight. Um, seven wing eight, eight wing seven have some of the strongest energy and just like go, go, go. Right. Um, and they're energized by doing and um, taking action. And uh, some of the other numbers aren't energized that way. Yeah. They withdraw in certain, certain scenarios. And so we can talk even about Scottie Pippen because Scottie Pippen's energy is very different than Dennis Rodman. Right. But they were both key players on the Bulls team. They needed them both. So let's go into Scottie. What do you think Scotty was? Scotty, I just want to hug him and <laughs> tell him that his presence matters. Yeah. You know, like, we see you. I, I already know just by the way you phrase that, what number he's going to be. Your presence matters. Yes. Believe it, Scotty. Yeah. Like, uh, I see so much of the Enneagram 9 in him. And uh, just that his presence matters, uh, just him being. I think there's even a quote that Michael says, like, I wouldn't have been Michael without Scotty yeah. or something along those lines of like, he needed a Scotty. And here's why it's huge is that a nine isn't necessarily, a nine doesn't want the spotlight. They merge into what they're surrounded by and that can be positive or negative. Yeah. So when he has a, a Michael Jordan next to him, that's going to elevate his game because nines, merge into that. But the biggest thing that I want to point out about Scottie Pippen is um, there's, so the core, some of the core fears of a nine is like being overlooked, you know, your presence not mattering. And there's a scene where um, Scottie Pippen thinks that he should have like the final play or oh, yeah, like yeah. the shot, the final shot. And um, Phil Jackson draws up a play and doesn't, and the play is not, for Scotty to have the shot. Right. And so Sky decides to not go back in the game. Yeah. And and it's like that totally triggered his fear of being overlooked. I don't matter, you know, like um guess you don't need me. Yeah. And and I just thought that was so interesting of that's that's an unhealthy response. Right. Obviously, that's oh, not totally. Yeah, that's yeah. not what you. It's not no, what you wanted there. But when he made that decision, I was like, I see where he's coming from, mm. and that's where the enneagram was helpful in seeing teammates and the dynamics. Um, but also just recognizing, like, when Michael took time off from the bull, and it was Scott, like Scotty wanted him to come back. Yeah. Like, as a nine, um, nines are elevated by other people and other people call things out in them. Um, and I just think that that's like a really neat thing of why Scottie Pippen and Michael were such a good team. And great teams have great teammates, but they have to have teammates that complement one another. And Scottie wasn't trying to be Michael. Yeah. Two Michaels would not have been good as a Michael and Scottie. No. Which is no. fascinating. Fascinating. And I think that's like a really key thing to, to recognize in creating a team is going, who can compliment who? Yeah. Um, and you even look at later teams, more of my generation, like the Heat. Do you remember when the Heat did like oh, the big yeah. three? And it was like Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James. It's like you had three Michaels on a team and it did not work at all. No, like they no. were okay, but they were not to the level of the Bulls because they had people that complimented each other. Like Scotty complimented Michael. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, 
that's where the Enneagram is so helpful because it is a circle and that creates unity. And so having all the different numbers present, they play off of each other in unique ways. Um, and that's where, like, when I think about even just like sports teams recruiting players or right. hiring or going, okay, who would fit into, like, we don't need two Michaels. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, and, but sometimes people are like, but, but we need all the stars. And it's like, no, cause no. then it, you start triggering all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about the scene when uh, Scotty was uh, when he thought he was hurt or he wasn't getting enough money, but he kind of blew up because he had suppressed his feelings for so long. Yes. Is that a typical uh, response of a nine? Absolutely. So nines, it is very typical um, for them to just kind of like hold in kind of anger mm. and just kind of suppress it and um, they have this, they have a desire for justice, um, but they have this anger that just starts to kind of boil up in them. And then they sort of explode like out of nowhere. And because it's, uh, they feel wronged, they don't feel seen, they don't feel, um, validated. And so it's sort of the like, okay, I've waited long enough. Now you're going to know that I'm here. And it can be very passive aggressive and manipulative. Um, like even I think he starts yelling from the back of the bus at like Jerry Krause mm-hmm. at some point. Oh, yes. Like, yes. It's like, well, Scotty, where'd that come from? <laughs> yeah. Jerry Krause for context. If you haven't seen it one, if you have seen it or you haven't seen it, go watch it. Jerry Krause, the general manager, kind of the mastermind, but also not everyone's favorite character that put the team together just for context. Scotty yeah. Yelling at him. And Scotty had some uh, kind of resentment and, you know, he wasn't making that much money. Um, also, like, nines, oh, here's another thing. So he got hurt, but he delayed his surgery. And um, nines sometimes forget to take care of themselves. And then they don't realize that when they, like, them not taking care of themselves can harm everybody else around them. Right. And so there was every teammate uh, sort of had a different opinion about Scotty getting a surgery done mid season <laughs> during the off season. Right. Um, and he's like, well, I don't get paid that much. And yeah, I he kind of milked it too. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. And, uh, um, but yeah, I just love the dynamic of the Batman, Robin, the Michael Scotty that Scotty never tried to be Michael. He never yeah. he wasn't Michael. He knew he never was going to be Michael. But Michael also knew that he was never going to be Michael without a Scotty. Right. And that is what a great leader has to do. And in that sense, it was Michael letting Scotty step up and be the best, probably the greatest number two. He's one of the greatest basketball players to ever play, but oh, not yeah. as many people know who he is because he was Michael's number two. Right. And he knew his place. But like you said, nines need, how do we, how do we interact with a nine? Because they need to know that their presence matters. Yeah. So nines can sometimes like go along to get along. Mm-hmm. And uh, really it's, I would say even just to engage with a nine, well, one, don't cut them off when they start sharing. Yeah. And just give them time to voice what they're thinking, ask them, uh, include them in things, um, encourage them to make decisions and to be bold and confident. But also 
don't take advantage of their presence. Like nines, I hardly know any nines that like I'm bothered by. Like enjoyable people to be around. And um, because they, they fear conflict, so they're not, they're not going to, you know, stir the pot to get things going. And, um, but I, I think it's really key to remind the nines of like, we aren't complete without you. Like, I love that the nine is at the top of the Enneagram circle. It's the glue that um, brings everybody together. And when nines aren't healthy, they withdraw and they isolate and they become passive aggressive and they question if they matter. And it's like, man, but when a nine shows up fully, it is powerful and brings unity to the whole group um, that only a nine can do. And the reflection of God that they are um, is peace and oneness. Yeah. And so when I look at the team, I can only imagine how Scotty Pippen was so much of a glue. And I mean, he's like the least paid player. Mm-hmm. Um, and he comes from a family of so many kids. Yeah. Um, there's so much that goes into it of just going like, hey, we see you. And um, we wouldn't be the Chicago Bulls without Scotty Pippen. Yeah, they wouldn't have been. And that is a fact. That is such a hard fact that you cannot get past. But yeah, I love it. we everybody loves Scotty. You, you gotta love Scotty. Gotta love Scotty. Yes. Okay, Betsy, who's next? Who who do we go to next? Do we talk Mike. about Jerry Krause or do we talk about Oh, Mike? yeah, I'm just so excited about Michael. I know. Jerry Krause. So I like Do you have a, a, a number for him? I'm so confused about him. Mm-hmm. And I think like the way that the documentary even portrayed him. They made him seem like an evil mastermind. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And I, I just sort of went like, I'm not quite understanding this man. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, and I didn't really like dive in a ton to his motivations because he wasn't like playing with right. the team. Right, right, right. But he had so much control over things, which was exactly. weird. But then like, the players would talk back to him and make fun of him. And then he's yeah, like, because he's him on the bus. like frail, like not very respected guy. Yeah. So I feel like it was just very insecure. I'm going to make a, make a, maybe make a case. I don't know enough about it, but t- I'm just going to throw a number out there. Tell me if, what you think about it. What if Jerry Krause was a six? I could see that. You think so? Like the security insecurity piece. Kind of explain yeah. the six. We'll, we'll, we'll do this real fast and we get to Michael. Okay, so um, a quick explanation of a six. Uh, We'll go with, uh, look at it as like a a loyal guardian of sort. And they are constantly looking for security in every way, shape, and form, whether that be by guidance, by support, um, by safety in terms of when the fire alarm goes off, how do we get out? Um, They are problem solvers, uh, but also they are super responsible. They make things happen, get things done. Um, and they're the ultimate, like they have an inner circle and they're because they create that support system for themselves. Mm. And when I think about Jerry Krause and obviously I don't know him, but he was thinking towards the future of going, okay, we can't win championships like forever, forever with the, this team. We need to start like rebuilding the team. Right. And they're, they're at their peak. And then yes. they start rebuilding. And part of me thinks, like, was that his fear coming out? Right, like, the security. The security. Like, he was starting to get anxious. That and 
that's oh, Zach, you're so smart. You know, thank you. I should, yeah, I should be an idiot. Yeah, yeah. But like, he started to make decisions out of fear right. that were harmful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't see enough interviews with him. Yeah. To there wasn't him. much of him in there. They made him yeah. seem like really evil. <laughs> yeah. And Very like interesting. easy to kind of like make fun of, which I Very, like felt yeah. bad for, you know, like I'm like, you don't oh, leave man. watching the last dance liking Jerry Krause, which no. I think was Michael's like what he wanted, you know, kind of a, yeah. anyway, yeah. let's get to Mike. We want, we all want to be like Mike, but sure. we all want to know what his number is. What, what's your take on what Enneagram number Michael Jordan was? I see um, an Enneagram eight. Yeah. And the biggest reason, uh, so an Enneagram eight is um, a protective challenger. They are a leader. They are, um, they have a, a dominance to them, a level of expectations of, um, they make things happen. Yeah. Um, they have, they're very dominant. Um, but the motivation for them is they, they need a sense of control and they're constantly looking to not be betrayed. Right. So they will elevate everyone around them to achieve, um, because that's, that's them. They challenge people to become better. Right. Um, they challenge people when they aren't, uh, when their words don't match their actions. Um, they call people out, um, and they can be sort of loud. They can appear as a bully of sorts, which you saw that in like the practices, but I, I see so much of Michael, like there's so many different quotes that you hear him say that it's like, he wanted to win, but he wanted the team to win. Mm -hmm. Like he had this drive, um, and he was protective of the bulls. Like he wanted the bulls to be respected in basketball. Like when he was drafted to the Chicago bulls, he was like, I want this team to be respected. They like weren't. The for him. Yeah. No. And um, that's very interesting. So uh, it's sort of like the alpha male of alpha males where he just sort of like, okay, um, I'm going to show up and I'm going to lead. And, um, and that's what he did. And people couldn't necessarily, um, argue with him because his words matched his actions. Yeah. And he was very big personality, very big. And when you walk, like, it's kind of like a hawk. Whenever he walks in a room, everyone like looks and says, that's Michael, Michael, you know, Yeah. would you say he's a little domineering in that sense? Yeah. And honestly, Eights sometimes don't even realize just their natural energy, how it shows up when they show up. Um, They're natural leaders. And so sometimes it can be hard of like, I don't want people to be afraid of me, Um, but they can come off as domineering or a harsh tone, but really they're just, they're actually advocating for you. Mm -hmm. um, And they, they want you to be excellent. um, And they, they want to challenge you. but they don't want to, they're not going to back down. They don't want to be seen as weak. They don't want to be seen as vulnerable. Um, they, they constantly are looking um, to honestly protect themselves. And they do that by having control. Mm. Um, yeah. Fa- yeah. Fascinating. Michael, he's for sure. I was going to try and make a case for him being a three because I wanted to be like Mike, but it's okay. He's an eight. Uh, without a doubt, he's an eight. So Betsy, kind of want to talk about how 
as we kind of land the plane, how these four people fit. Obviously, there are more people on the team. You have Steve Kerr. You have, I mean, Jerry Krause. We talked about Jerry. You have all these other players that played into this championship team. Uh-huh. But really, these three players and the one coach are what were the glue and why this team was so great. But what was it about Phil being a four, Dennis being a seven, Mike being an eight, and Scotty being a nine that made these four win games, win championships? Why did they go together so well, and why was this team so great? Um, I look at it, and I see two key factors. Okay. Um, you have balance of dominant personalities and compatibility personalities. Mm. Um, so your dominant ones are Dennis and Michael. Yeah. And then your complimentary are um, Phil and Scotty. Mm. Also something to point out that uh, the Enneagram is divided up into three triads. And triads are um, just really quickly, eight, nine, one is the gut triad. Two, three, four is the heart triad. Five, six, seven is the head triad. And if you look at it, Phil is in the heart triad. Dennis is in the head triad. And Michael is in the gut triad. And so you have three people that represent different valid perspectives of basketball. Like the goal is to win. And so for them, they are all coming at the goal from their perspective, but they respected each other. And Scotty was the ultimate complementary to that dynamic. And um, that is when I look at great teams have great teammates, no one tried to change each other's personality. Like no one said, I need you to be like Michael. Mm -hmm. Like even though his commercials are like, be like Mike. (laughs) We all want to be like Mike. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But Phil Jackson was his authentic, unique self as a coach. He got to know his players. Michael had this natural drive within him, and he was elevating everybody else around him um, rather than putting, like, he knew that he needed teammates to excel. And sometimes, you know, like, he scored, like, basically all the points in the game, but he had to have a team that trusted him and he earned it, and he earned that respect from his teammates. And and Dennis is his own, moves to the beat of his own drum, and honestly, um, kind of took the the pressure off of some of the other players because the media could just be like, "What's Dennis up to now?" Yeah. And um, it just brought to light a lot of different. Uh, the the reality is that we are all so unique and so different, and we need. Um, everybody to be who they are and to be who they were created to be. Because as soon as we start moving away from who we were created to be and trying to fit into a mold that isn't true to who we are, that's where conflict really starts um, to come about because we lack self-awareness of knowing like, I don't, my role is to not be Michael Jordan. Uh, My role is not to be Phil Jackson. I'm not the head coach. And so being true to who they are, but also having a coach that advocates for that individuality is huge. And um, I think that that really made a difference. And also, I'm just going to point out, but like Phil Jackson as a coach really valued unity as a team. And I think that that's a game changer. Right. Um, 
he saw the team as a whole, like even just how he started the season, ended the season. Um, yes, there were individual players that he tailored it to, but he, he functioned as a team. And even throughout the documentary, I noticed that it wasn't like Michael wanting to just be super successful. Like he wanted his team to win. Right. Like he wanted the dream team to win. Like he wanted like every team that he was a part of, he wanted them to win. And so he fought for them. Yeah. And that I think is just huge. So. Uh, yeah, it's amazing to see how it all worked out, how the team and all the players. And I think this is so applicable to leadership. If you lead like Phil, you lead like Michael, you lead like Scotty, but you also lead like Dennis. All of these numbers have different things that they added to the pot that made the greatest basketball team to ever play. Yeah. It's so you can transition so much to business, to to sales teams, to whatever it is you're a part of, the Enneagram is such a helpful tool to understand people's motivations and why they respond yeah. to certain situations in different ways. And obviously we know there's more players we could have gone through, but there's also many other numbers that weren't talked about. So if you're listening to this and your number wasn't talked about, we're so sorry, but I'm sure they're on the team at some point and they are valued. If you are a two or a one or a, any of y'all listening to this, fives, you're valued and uh, we see you and you were on the dream team. That's some, someone on that team was you somewhere. Uh, yeah. We'll just have to do a more in-depth study another time. But Betsy, how can people interact with you? How can they find you? How can they find your business or your Enneagram coaching? Yeah. Um, I am on Instagram and Twitter and right. Facebook. Do you um, post like cool uh, Enneagram things that people can repost? You know what? I really don't. Okay. Um, I... <laughs> You know, it's not really my, my niche is, uh, I, I like the personable interacting. Um, but I would, if you have a team or business that you would love to have somebody come and really facilitate, um, a, an interactive experience, um, to see the Enneagram come to life. That's really what I do. Um, I mean, I draw the diagram on the ground with masking tape and people walk um, the different uh, spots on the Enneagram. And um, there's just, there's so many team building exercises that allow a team to realize not everybody's like you. Yep. And um, it can seem silly. I don't really do trust falls, but it's kind of like those types of things. <laughs> We've moved past trust falls. We've trust falls. Trust falls, yes. The, the Bulls yeah. might have done trust falls. But Absolutely. Yeah. I can see Phil being into some trust falls. Big yeah. Trust fall guy, yeah. yeah. Stand up on a pole and have him fall. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. They throw their cares in the fire, too. So That's it's right. great. Kind of youth groupy, actually. Yeah, it kind of was. Yeah. <laughs> but it worked. They won the. the it worked. The it worked. And, and that's um, what it takes to be a great team. You got to do what other yeah. people learn. But, um, Betsy Reef is uh, my Instagram handle and Twitter and Facebook. And um, you can slide into my DMs if that's the easiest way um, to just say, hey, I'd love to know more information and I will uh, follow up with you. But also, you can contact Zach. You can contact right. his wife, Abby. That's right. Um, uh, I would love um, to really help your team um, become a team full of great teammates to ultimately help you achieve your goals. And when we understand ourselves and others, uh, we can make that happen. Well, whether your goals are selling more products or winning the finals, Betsy can bring your team together and make you a more compatible team that knows each other and knows yourself along the way. So Betsy, thank you so much for this time. This has been a fascinating, such an interesting conversation. I loved it. Uh, thank you so much. You're so welcome. And Go Bulls. That's right. <laughs>